Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine, I'm Andy Dawson, Papapo. I'm Sam Delaney, so what? Welcome along to the first episode of a short series, a short special series, where we will run down, in our opinion, the 50 greatest moments in British history. Mm. Some of you have contributed to this online. We will not be name-checking you, because some things have been suggested by a handful of people. Or in other cases, we just couldn't be bothered to write down the name of the person who sent it in. Yeah, and also so, we don't want you getting a sense of entitlement. Yeah, that's so, true as well. So, you know, if, just if, take some pleasure if you hear us say a thing that you know that you sent to us. Just privately yeah. put put that away in your heart mm-hmm. and just treasure it. Or if you like, you can pretend that you sent it in to us and tell your pals. Yeah. Oh, one of the things I sent in the Top Flight Time Machine's 50 Greatest British Moments has been included. And you don't even need to have sent it to us. You can just pretend. I'm validated. I've been validated yeah. by an obscure podcast <laughs> hosted by a couple of socially dysfunctional middle-aged men. Yeah. That's what we are. <laughs> So, five episodes is the plan. Uh, is the plan. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Here we go. Five episodes is the plan to get this wrapped up over the Christmas period. Uh, keep you amused while we're off um, eating party food at 10am and watching The Fast and the Furious. Um, <laughs> right. Number 50 to 41 in this episode. Here we go. Number 50. Uh, Bob Anderson, the darts player, arriving on stage... On horseback. Mm. Now, I can't remember what year this is. I haven't done any uh, backup research. I'll quickly do it now. Bob Anderson, horse. I'll put it into Google. Now, this was before the Darts World Championship was held at the Ali Pali, Sam. Yeah. This was 1995 when it was still held at the Circus Tavern, mm. which is a considerably smaller venue. Um, and Bob Anderson, who was the, uh, the self-styled cowboy of darts... Yeah. He'd wear a cowboy hat and he'd dress like a cowboy with the cowboy shirt and the cowboy jeans and yeah. the cowboy boots and all of that. He uh, did a walk on one day on horseback. Uh, and uh, I don't know, some people said the horse was frightened. It might have been frightened. I'm not sure. It might have shit on the floor. I don't know. But it was certainly an eye opener. Well, I mean, fuck's sake, um, anyone who's ever been to the darts. Um, especially like in the evening over the festive season, you know, animal mm-hmm. or human uh, or vegetable. When you first walk in there and you're confronted by a crowd that have already been on the piss since the afternoon session, you are likely yeah. to fucking shit your pants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've yeah, been it's... once at the Alley Pally and it was fucking, it's, I mean, it's just fucking mayhem. Absolute fucking bedlam. Mm-hmm. And I think any any creature is going to get a little bit twitchy in that situation. 
Mm, especially when it's the Circus Tavern and it's a much smaller venue, a denser venue. Yeah. But that happened. It's a great moment. Well, let's just assume the horse enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. He didn't do it again, but he did it, and that's the main thing. Uh, um, that's in there. Yeah, my uh, memory of darts in this um, era, the mid-90s, because I was at university and everyone got into watching darts, staying up and watching darts, and so I remember some characters. The main one I remember is a guy whose his nickname was the Bronze Adonis. I think his real Steve name... Steve Beaton. Steve Beaton. And yeah. he... And <laughs> and I remember watching him... We were all watching him, like, in a final or something, and his missus stood up and shouted at the Bronze Adonis. <laughs> uh, obviously, we were obsessed with the Bronze Adonis. It was like, that, that yeah. is... Because to be fair to him, I don't want to be, like, bitchy, but he's not what you picture when you hear that nickname, Right. But he seemed like a guy. He's not the most. He's not the most handsome man you've ever seen. He's not. But I like the. I I, I like the self confidence that he you know went around <laughs> calling himself the Bronze Adonis. Yeah. And he was in a final, and we were watching it, and it got really tense. And his and his <clears> missus <throat> got up as he was going up to the hockey, and she shouted, "Come on, Steve! One last supreme effort!" <laughs> And we always remembered that and all started like always saying it to each other in lots of different situations one yeah. last supreme yeah. effort and I dropped it you know, I kept that phrase in my repertoire for many years mm. and I actually dropped it whilst my wife was giving birth to our first child oh. <laughs> I gave it the old one last supreme effort and she's like was she aware of the source oh yeah she'd been there the when we watched it there'd been a whole gang there. of us and she'd been yeah. watching it too so she she remembered it and I thought she found it funny and you know the the midwives and all that when when she's go, when you're going in the into the final push they yeah. do put pressure on you to say motivational things and to be honest you yeah, can yeah. feel you can feel very pressured and and you know like you want to have good good motivational chat but mm. you can run dry so I I didn't really know what to say. I'd said, come on, you can do it. Go on now. Come on, on now, go. go on, sweetheart. That's it. <laughs> and then I'm like, in the Better end, I've, in. I've just given it the old one last supreme effort. And she's gone, for fuck's sake, don't quote darts at me. <laughs> so it didn't help. I don't think it really helped. Well, the baby was born. The baby was born. So 13 year old, we'll, like young woman you know, now. We'll, so we'll, we'll never know. Mm. We'll never know if it helped or not. All right, that's that. Number 50. Number 49, Paul Shane from Heidi High. Ted yeah, Bovis. Lovely. Uh, great character, great sitcom, but of course he appeared on Pebble Mill once when he was in a musical singing um, the, uh, the Righteous Brothers. Uh, Unchained Melody. Love and Feeling. Oh, yeah, you've lost that Melody. No, it's just you've lost that love and feeling. Now, I've seen this clip over the years loads of times. I didn't see it at the time. Again, it was the mid-90s, which as has been well documented on this podcast, was a rich time for Britain, it British was. culture, British life. And all of these things were happening, no coincidence. I mean, we didn't ask you for things happening nights. We just asked you for the best moments in the history of Britain. Now, Britain's mm. been going for what? A couple of hundred years, something like that. A long time. 350 years, I yeah, think. Yeah, something like Britain that. Long. It's yeah, an old country. Britain. It's older than most countries. And so loads of shit's <laughs> gone down. But it's not a surprise <laughs> to me that the majority of the things on this list of 50 happened in <laughs> the 90s, the best of all the decades. and uh, Well, most of them happened in the last century, let's just say that. Yeah. And uh, 
anyway, well, like our best-selling T-shirts and hoodies say, mm. it's all been downhill since Euro 96. Exactly. So get yourself one of those exactly. if you agree. Um, Paul Sheehan. I've seen this clip loads of times, and I never knew until recently why it was happening. Because Pebble Mill mm. had all sorts of weird shit on it. And if you see it out of context, you just think, was it that mad in the 90s when Paul Shane, let's not forget, was 10 years past his prime anyway in terms of mm-hmm. fame? Because Heidi High hadn't been around for years by the mid-90s. And they've gone, mm. oh, what have we got for a fucking closing music number? Well, I don't know. There's not much going around at the moment. I mean, I've had a call from, like, Paul Shane's promoter saying he's willing to come on and sing You've Lost That Loving Feeling. <laughs> Fuck it, just book it. Right? But at least I now yeah, know that it was promoting something. Yeah, he was in the music, I think. Um, the the interesting yeah, thing about it is, it's obviously, it, it really inspired the, um, when, when Vic and Bob did Shooting Stars and they did the um, club style thing, you know, where mm. they had to sing the club style, they always played this clip, didn't they? Yeah, they did, that's where it was, was popularised. Baby, 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 baby. And it's great. It's on YouTube. Go and look it up. Mm. Um, most unlikely Pebble Mill guest of all time, mm. Bill Hicks. <laughs> How did they Bill make Hicks that was on fucking, Pebble Mill. Really? Is that Bill on YouTube? Bill Hicks was on fucking Pebble Mill. Amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, that could be one of the 50. What I'll say is, if you want to challenge any of these, Sam, in the list, and come up with a better alternative that's linked to what we've got here, we'll go for it. It's a movable feast. This list can be erased, I went shifted. I went on the Alan Titchmarsh show once, right? Oh, yeah. And it was... A Why di- is your voice just lowered when you're talking? Because you it's something that I'm talking about in hushed tones, because yeah. it in itself was a seminal moment, arguably, in British broadcasting history when Sandra Delaney right. went on the Alan Titchmarsh show to debate the rights and wrongs of the honours system. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which side were you on, Sam? Uh, hello. <laughs> hello. Is that Sam Delaney, Britain's best journalist? Yes, yeah, speaking. What do you want? Does it pay? <laughs> Whatever you want, does it pay? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> it's the Alan Titchmarsh. Yeah, fine. Just send a fucking taxi to the following address. I'll be there and make sure you've got Just some money. T- tell me the subject when I get there. <laughs> I'll wing it. <laughs> it was like that. And I had to go up against someone who's really nice, who I really like, Joe Good, who's a, a brilliant radio presenter. And but she was pro the honour system, right? Um, and I was obviously yeah, I thought like rubbish, isn't it? Why am I going? You're not better than me just because you got letters <laughs> after your name. Blah blah blah. <laughs> tedious Sam Delaney opinion, right? And uh, but what was funny was we had the little sort of back and forth, and at the end, Alan Titchmarsh, who had been playing the um, the sort of neutral arbiter of the debate yeah. said, Sam, Joe, thanks very much for joining us. I'm sure this debate will run on and on, you know, like they wrap up in that bland way. Yeah, and then yeah. he turns the other camera and he goes, and I'd just like to say, I was offered the CBE in 2001 and I did attend the palace and very gratefully accepted that honour. Now, next up on the show, <laughs> and I was like, you fucking cunt. He's powerful, me. Yeah, he's got me yeah. on here. He sat me down and said, come on then. Every, there's no rights and wrongs. Everyone's got an opinion. What do you think? And I've gone, well, thanks, Alan. That's very good of you. I think the other system's a load of shit. And anyone who accepts an honour is a cunt. Thanks. 
By the way, cunts, I fucking got one. <laughs> you haven't, you fucker. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, get off my show. <laughs> Thanks, so that's Titchmarsh. That. Number 48, in a similar vein, uh, we'll just pass over this one. Barry from EastEnders singing Something Inside So Strong at the World Indoor Bowls. Yeah. Finals. No one knows why. It exists on YouTube, Le- least obviously. Least of all him. I watched that clip recently, and he's like, at one point, he so feels so awkward about it that he actually turns his back to the crowd. Oh, God, really? He can't stand to look at their bewildered faces. Yeah, yeah. And he's then when it ends, and he actually, if you watch it back, I watch it closely, he speeds up ever so slightly towards the end because he wants it over. Oh, man. And he swallows the last word. He goes, gone, gone, gone. Whoa. He goes, thank you very much. Have a great evening. And literally drops the, hands the microphone really quickly to someone and runs out of the auditorium. All right. I think you sang the end of um, You've Lost That Love and Failing there, but I know know what you mean. What was he singing again? Something Inside So Strong. Oh, yeah. It's even funnier, actually, isn't it? That's, I mean, Something Inside So Strong is actually an inherently hilarious song. And when I was at school, secondary school, in the first year, we had a class called Humanities, which was where mm. they basically combined the humanities subjects in the first year. Mm. Did you ever do a class called Humanities? No, nothing as elaborate as that. Well, no. anyway, we were in it and they said, you know, teachers are lazy, so they come up with something that they think is a fun way of learning, but really it's just a write-off lesson. Yeah, and they've cut. They it's, a, it's what I call a hangover lesson. I was even aware of that then. Yeah, and they go right, um, right. What I want you to do this week is uh, make up a song, and straight away you're thinking, great, this is just a free pass <laughs> to fuck around the whole lesson, right? Yeah, make yeah. up a song about um, uh, what we've been talking about. Oh yeah, apartheid in South Africa. <laughs> Right, and we've gone, yeah, fine, no problem, you silly cunt. <laughs> get into groups. Oh, we'll get into groups, all right, mate. Don't you worry about that. We'll get into fucking groups, you hungover old cunt. <laughs> right, and I just remember these two girls who were just fucking obsessed with Janet Jackson, because mm. this would have been 1986. And I remember they got up. And they, he goes, right, now, come up front and perform your song. Do your you've, song. You've been working on for an hour. It better be fucking good. An original song <laughs> about fucking apartheid, yeah? <laughs> and I'll always remember weird things, because I remember being so astonished by it, right? These two <laughs> girls, Majoko and Sarah, that was their names. Yeah. They were thick as thieves, and they were quite hard, right? They were intimidating, mm-hmm. And they were really, and the only other thing that I remember about them was they really um, loved Janet Jackson. Anyway, they got up and they started singing. It was supposed to be an original composition. And mm. they started singing really seriously, you know, like with their eyes shut, like girls will do. Like they're really feeling it and they've got their <laughs> eyes shut and they're clicking their <laughs> fingers and sort of swaying in time and humming the intro. And then they go, um, there's something I've got to tell you. There's something that thing that you should know that we've been treated really badly. It's got to stop. Right? And that was a Janet Jackson song that they had rewritten the lyrics of and not even completely yeah. rewritten the lyrics of. They just changed a little Partially. bit to become a frankly 
banal and insulting indictment of the yeah. atrocity that was apartheid. Mm. Um, and I bring it up because there's something inside so strong was, was I think, was about apartheid. And it was, if you're going to yeah. rip a song off, you might as well rip <clears throat> that off. But anyway, I always did remember you, that. Is that what you did? You didn't get up yeah, and just sing I, something uh, inside so strong? Yeah, I got it done, mate. Don't worry, my turn now. Right, here we go. Is everyone ready? You can clap along if you like. It goes like this. There's something inside so strong. Come on, everyone. I know that I can make it. That's right. No, you're doing me wrong. So wrong. Uh, uh, I'm I'm doing it from the perspective of the black fella. Yeah, you've got to, in your mind, visualise me as a black lad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure I've heard this somewhere before, delayed at fish cake. Oh, God. Nah, mate, straight up, I could just come up with it in the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> was this school or college, did you see, or sixth form? This was, was school. This when was when I was in the first in year school. at school. The first really? year. Really? So I'd have been like 11. We never had anything. The more, the, we, we had the most kind of uh, outfit, left field sort of out there lesson we had was commerce. Did you do Commerce. Oh, commerce no, was all about how business British. works. Yeah. yeah, we did one and like that, but it was called British Industrial Society. Oh, right. Yeah, that sounds similar. Mm. But this was like how to write out a check and things like that. Yeah. Things yeah. that you'd yeah. need to ours do was, when you were in the world of like, money. Ours was both macro and micro because mm. it was um, the macro was like, you know, you'd learn bits about the economy and how it worked. Mm. But then you'd also just learn what a rental agreement was if you wanted to rent your Fuck. telly. <laughs> wow. I think we only did it for a year. And I did it for GCSE, mate. I did that did for you? GCSE. Well, that's why you're the successful businessman that you are now, knocking I, out uh, I must say, still, like I think about that subject sometimes. It made no sense whatsoever mm. to me. No. Yeah. Let's see him here. Uh, moving on, number 47, uh, the mother of Bill Wyman's teenage wife, Marrying Bill Wyman's son. Let's just the mother of Bill Wyman's teenage wife, right? So it's his mother-in-law. Yeah, marries his own son. Yeah, I mean Bill Wyman. We should probably just gloss over the whole Bill Wyman Mandy Smith thing because fucking hell, he was fifty-two and she was eighteen when they got married. Mm. They'd been together for about five years before that. It Mm. was a massive fucking nonsoff. Um. Ugh, it's 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 grim. It ended. The marriage ended. Thankfully for everyone. Um, Bill Wyman's a nonce. There's no other way of putting it, is there? Mm, mm. That's nonce. Uh, but then Stephen, who was Bill's first son, he ended up marrying Mandy Smith's mother, Patsy Smith. So when that happened, uh, Stephen Wyman was 31 and Patsy was 49. So um, yeah, Pats, Patsy's just done the fucking. Uh, I don't know, the sw- a switcheroo, would you call it? He's I'm like, sure. oh, thank fuck I am rid of that mother-in-law because she were a pain in the ass, and she was younger than me. And then it's like, <laughs> fuck it now, what's she doing here? Yeah. <laughs> what is she now? She's da- my stepdaughter. Dad, oh, something like that. <laughs> Dad, I want you to meet my new wife. Fuck it now. Yeah, I mean, it's just too elaborate to get your fucking head around. And I thought being in the Rolling Stones was mental. <laughs> I thought that was a crazy time. <laughs> uh, 46. Yeah, so Stephen married his stepmother's mother. Mm. <clears throat> and that makes him his own grandfather, according to someone in the in the 
comments on this website I'm looking at. Fair enough. Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jalapeño. Moving on. Number 46. This is one of the ones that we can dispute and challenge We've got Kevin Keegan falling off his bike on Superstars. Mm. Wasn't now it a then, great moment? It was a memorable moment. It was a well. Do you want to replace it with a different Kevin Keegan moment? This oh is, yeah, giving us the opportunity to look back. I mean, I don't select- know if it's higher up the chart. It might be, but I would say, although it's you know really obvious, but I would definitely say Kevin Keegan's meltdown in the ninety five yeah. ninety six Premier League season <clears throat> is but- a great British moment. But we've said that we're going to try and avoid things like that that would normally appear on when celebrities go mad. Yeah, Channel yeah. Five we're setting ourselves quite a difficult task there. What I think, and obviously this is not just our opinion, this has been contributed by lots of the counters, but for me, what I'm looking for in this list, and I will point it out when I think we we, we come across it, is any moment where we as a nation have reacted in a huge extreme way whether that be with joy or anger or any other extreme emotion to something that on the face of it is completely trivial and inconsequential that for me is the essence Mm. of a great british moment that's what makes us british we'll see if that's true i mean the list as well it's fairly arbitrary until the top 10 we think that the top 10 we've got are is is solid gold the rest I would of it say is my favourite Keegan yeah. moment. My favourite Keegan moment would be when him and Terry McDermott dressed up as shakes. Yeah, very when good. they were at Newcastle. Yeah, I would put that in there. Or what although about, it's not one of those things. Go on. Well, there was there's the there's the thing that happened where Kevin Keegan and Terry McDermott beat Michael Owen and I think Nicky Butt at head tennis, and uh, they <clears> bet like a hundred pounds, and so they. So Nicky Butt and Michael Owen lost and they were very surprised. But the next day they brought in the £100 in one penny pieces and left it <laughs> yeah, on Kevin right, Keegan's yeah. desk. They thought that was funny. That yeah. that would that would rank up there for me. Yeah. 
I guess so. I'm just sending you a picture now on WhatsApp. <laughs> Have you got it on? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> Terry McDermott, I don't know what his secret is, but as I've told you, I've read his book this year, over the recent months. So it's, I always have a book yeah. on the go, usually a football book, that I read as a little palate cleanser between weightier works, right? Yeah. And sometimes you need a break. Sometimes I get into bed at night and I'm just too tired. If I'm if I'm reading a novel that, for instance, might be a bit turgid, or for instance, mm. recently I was reading a book, this book about Hitler, which was interesting, right. but sometimes you just you get into bed and you need something to help get you off to sleep, but you're like, oh, I can't take reading more Hitler shit. So you think, right, mm. just to help me drift off, I'm going to read a few pages of Terry McDermott, and that's how I've been consuming it. But Terry McDermott, as he says himself, he's like a cockroach, right? He basically... He's not a man who's pompous or builds himself up at all. The opposite. So you get no sense of why it was that he was such a trusted consigliere. Not just yeah. to Keegan, but even after Keegan left, he was kept on by Dalgleish and Sunes yeah, yeah. and all the other guys, right? They kept him around no matter what. But the way he tells it is, is that all he did was go out on the piss with the players. The court jester, wasn't he? The court yeah, jester. but they always wanted him around. They always yeah, wanted well, him around. Yeah, well, good at it. I mean, yeah. the picture I've just sent you, obviously people can't see it. It's Terry McDermott, dressed as a sheikh, and he's on the phone. It looks like he's doing some important business. Oh, important it's Terry McDermott here. And it says, Terry McDermott dressed up like an Arab sheikh as he carried out a practical joke on Newcastle United staff. He hatched his plot after reading reports that Kevin Keegan was wanted by soccer-mad Arabs in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> he arrived unannounced at United's Benwell training ground and informed manager Arthur Cox that he wanted to talk transfer business over Keegan. Hello, However, I am a soccer-mad Arab. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says, however, it didn't take too long for the boss and Keegan to cotton on. And it says, Terry won the outfit which he has previously received in Dubai while on tour with Liverpool. That's January 1983. I am a soccer mad Arab in Salah. I am here to try and buy your Kevin Keegan. (laughs) May I speak to Arthur Cox? (laughs) You can buy a large copy of that photograph for £375 from Getty Images. I'm going to do it. If you want to do that, get it framed. Look all nice on your wall. Yeah, lovely. Onwards. Uh, number 45, Reg Varney uses the UK's first ever cash point. Great stuff. If you're going to unveil a cash point as a, and a, a new forward-thinking uh, piece of equipment for the British public, who better to get to work at first than uh, Stan from On The Buses? And that's indeed what happened. There's photographic evidence. You can look it up on the internet if you don't believe us. Reg Varney was the first ever user of a UK cash point. I don't know how much he got out. Probably just a fiver, because mm. that was quite a lot of money back then. It was about 1969, I think. But there you go. Uh, number 44. I've just simply got here the word viz, mm. Sam. Viz in its entirety. Someone as... sent someone sent us a, a viz thing and then said underneath, but actually maybe anything viz have done. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's where I nicked it from. Viz, just the, the whole concept of viz is incredible the fact that it exists still and that it became as huge as it did considering it just started out in some lad's bedroom in Newcastle in the late 70s. Yeah, Viz is the best. And it's, yeah, 
And I, like I said before, subscribe to Viz because if you don't, it'll disappear. Yeah, you said we that be? before. We and won't I, have Viz one, anymore. I, for one, did it. Uh, <clears> and it's fun when it arrives every month, although I must admit, sometimes I, I think, oh, good, there's the new Viz. And I get it and put it by mm. my, my bedside table mm-hmm. and uh, next to my handkerchiefs. On my to-do pile. And that can sit next to my handkerchiefs and my little tin box of mints. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lovely and uh, only you spend so much time in bed and my doily right and uh, and uh, yeah sometimes I get to read it but it's brilliant and I actually have a uh, group with my good wife and my brother-in-law and a few other people called Shit Jokes Club and some enough, like-minded individuals, we all get together and trade all, gags. We all share a, 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 a love of, <laughs> how should I put it, ribaldry. I instigated the group, and I like to call myself the lol finder general. <laughs> <laughs> My wife sent, me, uh, sent us uh, a letter just this morning from Viz. Which says, it seems that shops stock seasonal products earlier and earlier each year. Today, I saw a birthday card, but my birthday isn't until October. (laughs) Utterly ridiculous. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, Viz. We could go on about Viz forever. Oh, yeah. um, We haven't got time. Number 43, uh, the SAS Iranian Embassy. Yeah, brilliant. Ultimate all right cunts, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, this seemed incredible at the time. I, I watched it as it happened because I was a big snooker fan as a child. Mm-hmm. This was when I was like nine, and they fucking <laughs> we interrupt, interrupt the snooker. We interrupt this broadcast of snooker to give you the only thing that's even better: an elite <laughs> squadron of British soldiers killing a load of Iranian terrorists that are trying to take amazing. the piss down in London. It was fucking amazing because this the the crisis had gone on for days. It was in about day eleven or something like that, and then all of a sudden it was like right, the SES are going in. Fuck the snooker. I don't know if the snooker players down tools. Yeah, and just waiting like, for it fucking all to pass. Hell, I wouldn't mind watching this. <laughs> Where's the nearest telly? I want to have a look at this. <laughs> and they did, and they threw in fucking gas and bombs and just stormed the fucking thing and got everyone out alive. Apart from the terrorists, who they all killed, uh, that's how I remember it anyway. Um, yeah, and I think that um, it's it's covered in one of the uh, podcasts by your best yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Ryan. best friend Chris Ryan. Um, actually, we did a live show, which I haven't yet done, but by the time this podcast comes out, it'd be way in the past. With Robin Horsfall, who is one of the guys who was one of the SAS guys who, who went in through the windows and yeah. killed terrorists, basically. Fucking And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. We're actually recording it this week, and it'll, it won't be released as a podcast until much later this year, but keep an eye out Ooh. for it. Um, I've heard I mean- mad stories about it. Like One time someone told me, or I read somewhere, because they'd had the green light from Thatch herself. She had said, mm. fucking get in there and kill them. I'm sick of hearing about it. Okay. Fuck. The only thing I'm seeing on the news, day in and day out, boring. It's fucking boring. They should be writing about me reforms to the economy and that. Get the fucking <laughs> best soldiers we got, best ones, send them in through the fucking windows. I've seen them telling. I'll tell you myself, I'm sat here watching it with Dennis. I can work out what to do from here. There's big fucking windows. Get some cunts up on the roof. 
get them swinging down on them wires they use through the window like they do the professionals, right? And then just tell them from me, kill out every cunt in there. <laughs> I read once they did. that one of the things they did, because they'd had it from on high, like, kill, kill them all. When you get in mm. there, just kill them. Mm. But, you know, make it look legit. They... <laughs> yeah. They, I, I read that they, t- they downed, they, they surrendered straight away because the SAS came in fucking guns blazing. They like shat themselves. Thought fucking hell, what the fuck's yeah. this? We thought in London they just had bobbies on the beat with whistles and truncheons. Who are these mad cunts? Stop! Right? Stop! Yeah. <laughs> we didn't fucking bank on these mad cunts turning up. So they all fucking immediately surrendered, right? But the SAS were <laughs> under orders from Thatcher to kill them. So they said, I read that the uh, that the soldiers said, put your hands up to the Iranian terrorists, right? Mm. And the Iranian terrorists went to hold their hands above their head. And they said, mm. no, no, not out up high, out in front, right? And they told, right. they ordered them to put both their arms out in front of them. And then right. they shot them dead. And the reason they did that was because after the it was all over, the... Team, you know the fucking police investigation, <clears throat> fucking <clears throat> forensic team coming because it's effectively a crime scene. So a load of people have been shot dead, and the forensic examiners examine the folds, the creases in your clothing, yeah. right? And they wanted, they didn't want the creases in the clothing to show that they had their hands up to show that because then it would be yeah, an illegal yeah. kill. They wanted to show yeah. that they had their arms out so they could claim that they were brandishing guns and pointing them at them. Yeah, but in fact, they'd all drop their weapons. But that just said. You don't understand. I very much want them slaughtered. It's a matter of principle. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. So that's the uh, that's the forty third best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> number forty two. Number forty two. We've got people ringing up the police. That time when KFC ran out of chicken. Yeah. That how was did, something, wasn't it? Remember how, that when all the KFCs did, how, closed? How did that happen that they ran out of chicken? There were supply issues or something. I think it might have been like a no-deal Brexit strategy plan dry run for what's going to happen. Well, this by the time this podcast goes out, will we be in a post-Brexit uh, era? This will be this will be going out on Friday the 18th. Okay, so we won't be there. But so think we, on, there if might you're be a big deal, fan, of, why do you think I went vegetarian? I did it in preparation for Brexit, mm. right? Mm. So you could live off the land. I'll live off the fucking, I'm going to do a fucking and berries and Tom all that. and Barbara, aren't I? L- leaves, twigs. Bees. Whatever. Bees, wasps, bees? flies, all that. <laughs> they don't care. No, no, bees aren't vegan or vegetarian. They're living things, about, they've got eyes. What about spiders? No, you can't eat them either. You can't oh, eat anything that's got fuck eyes. Okay, now. All right, I'll have to think again so, about this. Yeah. But I mean, there's a whole there's a whole side episode to do about reasons why people ring the police and the emergency <laughs> services. I think they release them about this time of the year. So uh, they'll be. I did a show about it with Paul Donan. That's how I met Paul Donan. We did a. What about a, why people ring the police? Yeah, we did a pilot. It was called Celebrity 999, right? Um, it was called Celebrity 999, and it was basically based on these funny things that get published every year, like here are the top 100 funniest calls to 999 with false emergencies. Yeah. And the premise of the show, right, um, mm. which was created by a guy called Joe Mace, who used to be a presenter on like oh, yeah. Saturday morning TV, and then he became like yeah. a TV executive. And he came up with the idea, right? And he goes, I've got this idea. 
do you want to host the pilot, right? Mm. The idea is every year there's hundreds of calls that are pointless that go into emergency services that none of the emergency services will cover, but we should find people who can cover them and them and and it should be a, an out of work celebrity because that's what Britain has a surplus of is out of work celebrities. <laughs> so each week, and right, the none. <laughs> I would recruit no each week I was out and I would have to recruit a different out of work celebrity and make them yeah. available for twenty four hours in their local area, right, right, to respond to any emergency call that anyone had, right, right, and we made a pilot. And it was out in the village or town where Paul Danan lived in Essex. Mm. And in the morning, we leafleted the whole town saying, do you have a problem or a challenge that you need assistance with today? Call this number and Paul Danan will come and help you. Right? The magic of television, being able to leaflet an entire yeah. town site. And then we sat in a room in a Holiday Inn, right? <laughs> Weird. In Loughton and Essex and waited for the phone to ring. And when it rang... And- and someone gave us yeah. a plausible problem. We all got in a people carrier, drove round <clears> to the person's rig or wherever they were, and pulled yeah. and helped them. So he helped them do things like he painted some, he helped paint someone's room. He mm. took a lot of the local girls were ringing up and going, "Will you come round and fuck me for real?" Yeah. And he yeah. was like, "This, I can't do that, darling." She's like, "Why not?" And he went, "Because I'm not a prostitute." That's, I remember him <laughs> saying that. Saying it really sensitively and caring. And I can say it now, because obviously I'm mates with Paul. You've met Paul. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and and the show never got made. He kept going missing as well. At one point we were did trying he? to film something and no one could find him. <laughs> Where did he go? He went into a fucking spray tan salon. And I found him in the booth. I said to the camera, follow me in here. I think I know where he is. And I go in and I say to the women on reception, is Paul Danan in here? And they went, ah. And they looked at each other and then, no. And I went, he fucking is. And I pushed through open the fucking the booth and sure enough he's there in his fucking pants being sprayed by some sexy girl with tan in the middle of the fucking working day <laughs> and he wasn't paying he'd walked in and went I'm doing some filming for the BBC you couldn't give us a quick top up could you <laughs> and this never made it to a series that's disgraceful I know it's disgusting that's disgraceful but you know sliding doors in it you wouldn't be here doing this now otherwise no, true um, number 41 last one for this episode is uh, on loan goalkeeper Jimmy Glass keeps Carlisle United in the Football League by scoring the winner in the 96th fucking minute. It is, I mean, even now when you watch that footage and you see the Carlisle fans going ape shit, it's incredible that that even happened. And listen, any time a goalkeeper goes up for a corner, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's moment of the yeah. weekend in any context. When they score, yeah. fuck. And, and if they score, it's even better. But to score... It being on loan in the 96th minute in a game to keep you in the Football League is probably football's finest ever moment. It probably is. It might be the only football moment we've got in this 50. I'm not sure, but it's there. It's number 41. We had Mark Poom. He used to play for Sunderland for a while. He made his name at Derby, but then he signed for Sunderland Mm. uh, briefly. Uh, He scored from a corner. It'll be on YouTube. An absolute bullet header. Look it up. It's incredible. And who was it against? Derby County. Fucking and injury hell. time. Do you remember? I so remember that's... seeing Steve Grigovic in the 80s score with a goal kick. A big yeah, old yeah. fucking bounced, up and under welly over the other keeper, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Have that call. It's me, Steve Grigovic, the monster man. <laughs> I've got the hardest kick in Britain. So there we are. That's 50 to 41. That's the first episode of five. I think we managed to get away with it. 
the format has been established. It's great, that, mate. We've got 40 more to go over the Christmas period. Do you know what's astonishing about this episode? We actually got through all 10 items. We got through 10 in 38 minutes. I can't believe it. Not very like us at all. Let's see if we can keep that up over the rest of the episodes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Farewell, my lovelies. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.